yeah, as Daniel said, my name is Jason. My wife is Lindsay Goldsberry, and uh, we are fully appointed missionaries to the Republic of Chile through the assembly. So we're, uh, yes, we're, we've been down here. We got here, I think, Monday night. We're going to be heading back this weekend. Uh, we live up in Huntsville, which is about an hour north of Houston with no traffic. With traffic, it's about two. So uh, you guys know about that. Um, we uh, were on staff with Chi Alpha. In case you don't know, we were, uh, we were on staff with Chi Alpha for 10 years at Sam Houston State University, uh, which is roughly the size of RGV uh, here in Edinburgh. And we're making the transition over um, to Chile full time. And so we'll give you kind of a, uh, kind of a, uh, just a quick run through of, uh, of kind of our, just a brief crash course through our story. I uh, was asked for the first time in, uh, in 2014 um, to lead an internship uh, to Chile. And I had never been to Chile. I had uh, faked my way through four semesters of Spanish. If you can imagine, probably, you know, I, uh, I, I think I passed three of them. I failed one of them. I never did pass it. And so we ended up in, in Chile for 90 days. We lived with students in uh, student housing about a mile from uh, outside of uh, the downtown of Santiago. And we had a blast. We had just a, a tremendous life-changing experience. We had just great, felt like we just had great influence there. The next year, I would, I'd been back in the States about two weeks, I got it, and uh, I got asked, hey, you know that internship, would you do it again next year in 2015? And you're like, okay, I just did this. It was kind of, kind of, you know, kind of rough a little bit. It was a great time, but when you're having summer here, we're in winter in Chile, okay? This because it's on the other side of the on the other side of the equator. We are as far south of the equator as we are north here. So when you're having uh, Christmas, they're in the middle of summer. They're in the they're in the mid 80s, up, upper 80s right now. And so I, I said, yeah, I'll go back in 2015. My wife, or well, my uh, time girlfriend at the time, Lindsay, joined me for 90 days. The Lord began to speak to her, and we've been back. A handful of times since then. What I would encourage you to, to do is that if you have a ch an opportunity to go on a trip, a short-term trip, or maybe even a three-month trip, take a huge step of faith. Say yes. You will never, ever regret it. And you won't ever forget it either. And who knows, God may call you to something or somewhere that you hadn't even thought about. So, uh, we really are grateful for that. We've got some information here. Uh, we've got these. We've got a little table out back. You guys are feel free to take this. You can take it home with you. You can put it in your Bible. You can read about what, what we've been doing. Um, we've got a prayer card. You can put this on your fridge. You can put it in your Bible. And whenever you see it, you please pray for us. We would really be grateful of that. And this is for you. This is, well, this is for us, rather. We want you to fill this out. And just give a little information about yourself. We want to keep you updated, okay? It's a long ways down here, guys. It's a long ways here. We'd love to, to keep you guys updated on what we're doing so that you can pray more effectively and you can kind of see the process that what we do kind of on the day-to-day. -day. So uh, that's, uh, that's kind of my, my spiel, so to speak. So um, 
We're going to be uh, kind of just transitioning into a time. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say. Yeah, we've got Instagram. We're not that old yet. We, we do have Instagram. We are old enough to have Facebook. And so you can request to join our group. You can go back uh, to that. Uh, it's, yeah, going with the Goldsberries, the Chile. Yeah, very original. Uh, you, you can request to join the there's a you know a little profile about us. You can read a, if you want to read a long page that we wrote. We can we can do that, and it's essentially detailing that um, if you know on most campuses here in the states there are campus ministries. So in many places there are multiple campus ministries, but wherein we are in Chile, there are very few. Most campuses in Chile have no campus ministry at all, and so we want to change that. There are over 4,000 campuses. In Latin America, there's students much like yourselves, much more like you than, than me even, that are culturally like you, linguistically like you, and we believe that they deserve an opportunity to hear about Jesus and to have their life changed. And not just, not just pray a prayer and be discipled, but to be sent out from their own countries as pastors and missionaries and church planters. We believe that the gospel is not just for us here in the States, it's not just for Texas, even though I know he loves Texas. It's for every person. So, um, so yes, that's, uh, that's kind of where we are. We're going to kind of just transition a little bit into uh, just some, some preaching from the Word of God here. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, topically today, uh, as opposed to expositionally. Expositionally is whenever you take a passage of Scripture and you kind of read through the passage and you... You do so, and you kind of break it down to what it what it means, and you know you have to you have to stay true to what the scripture is trying to say, and not taking it out of context, and not make it and twist it to make it sound what you know to, to fit your flavor, right? We're going to be talking about this about the, we're going to be speaking topically today, where we take a topic and we kind of flesh this out. So what this means is we may be hopping around a little bit, okay? We're not going to just stay. We're not going to just drive up and you know throw it in park. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the will of God, or more specifically, what is the will of God in, in obedience, and we'll be looking at some scriptures together. Uh, we're not going to be just tied down. So I, uh, I kind of want to just start with um, talking about the will of God, as you might think, how many of you guys have been in an airplane? Okay, a good number of you. I, uh, I had not been in an airplane until college. My parents, to this day, have never been in an airplane. And do not, well, I take that back. My mom did. She, my mom, I, take, I stand corrected. My mom, my mom got an airplane, I think, last year for the first time. She's like, she's nearly 70, okay? But when you're in an airplane and you look out the window, you guys, I, I'm like the window seat guy. I don't know if you guys are window seat people. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in the aisle. I want to be in the window, right? And you look out and you can see, you look down, you can see clouds, and when there's no clouds, you can see, like, towns and stuff like that. And you can see, like, the horizon. You can, like, if you, I'm sure the pilot sees, like, the horizon on the front. Maybe you can, like, see the sun's set. It seems like it, when you're way up in the air and the sun's setting, it just seems like it takes hours for it to actually get dark. And you look down and you see uh, you've got the 50,000-foot bird's eye view, okay? And you're seeing, like, the... the uh, you're seeing like cities, you're seeing, but the thing you're not seeing are like, you're not seeing like individual like people, you're not seeing, uh, you know, cars, you're not seeing buildings. Sometimes you don't even know what city you're even looking at. You're like, I see a large city, I don't know where I am. I'm somewhere in between 
where I am now and where I want to be, but this could be any this could be any way place, right? Sometimes that is us spiritually, is that you're looking down, you've got a very high view, you know where you came from, you know where you want to go, but you don't even know what you're looking down at. Okay? In a sense, you're on your way, but you kind of feel lost. That is a real that is a real thing, and sometimes it kind of sucks, just to be honest with you. But the 50,000-foot view that we're talking about is, is really relating to the Lord being all-powerful. He sees a huge, he sees a huge, a, a very, very high viewpoint looking down. He's all-knowing, and he's omnipresent. He means he's, he is present everywhere. That means that there is no concept of you surprising God. I do not believe there is. You cannot catch God off guard. And you cannot face a situation that he cannot overcome. It simply is who he is. You are not going through anything that he is surprised about. You are not doing anything that he does not know about. You have not been anywhere that you were, that you were completely lost and could not be found. You have not run too far from him. There's no situation that you're in that is irredeemable. That is the power of God, and it is simply who he is. There is not a person, therefore, that he does not know, that he did not create. There is not a person here who he does not love. The scripture says there is not a person here that he would not lay his life down for. If you were the only person on this earth, he would leave the 99 and come to find you. There's nothing that has surprised them nor is there a person who he has abandoned. If that is you, that you feel like you may have been abandoned by him or left in the dust, that is a lie because that's not who Jesus is. So God is in complete control, yet at the same time gives, we're not just living in a script, are we? We're not. I do not believe we are. We have real choices that carry weight and God, what happens is that he gives us the dignity of making personal choices that really matter, okay? And your choices carry weight. What this means is that your prayers really move God. He lends an ear to your prayers. Your choices and weight and your prayers really move God. He sees, he knows, he is present on the 50,000-foot view of eternity, he is also present with us today, where we are in our hearts. The scripture spells out in the book of Revelation, it spells out a number of things that are, that are to come. Some of them have happened, some of them are happening, some of them are yet to come. There's a lot of things. I don't know if you guys have read the book of Revelation. It's the very last book of the Bible. There are some things in there, just speaking very honestly, that are very difficult to uh, to wrap your mind around. There's some, there's some like, you got to read it, guys, okay? There's some stuff you need. It's like, okay, that, I got to wrap my, my mind around this. There are some things that are kind of seems like they're unfolding day by day. I believe that we are living in the last days, as Scripture says. There are some things that require a little bit more faith, okay? 
Uh, I just can't help but wonder how the Jews felt, perhaps in the days of Isaiah, or in the, in the days of Jeremiah. There are some things about a coming Messiah, Jesus, that seemed so distant. So those books were written. Of course, there was a period between the Old Testament and the New Testament of a very difficult period of 400 years, right? We just went through a difficult, like, nine months. Can you imagine 400 years, right? There's, a, there, in, there's some things about the Messiah that seem so distant. There's some other parts that seem so immediate. They just felt like it resonated so much, so deeply in their hearts. And there were some things in, in Isaiah and Jeremiah that are described so well, but they weren't really exactly sure how it was going to happen. Okay? As we see in the New Testament, every one of those things that were described came to pass. But in the moment of them describing it, they knew it was true, but they just didn't know how it was going to play out. Okay? The Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians 13, he says it like this. He says that he sees through a glass darkly. I believe that is verse 12. But one day, there it is, for now we see through a glass darkly. But then, face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. That's in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. I've, uh, I don't know about you guys, I've been to very few weddings where 1 Corinthians 13 has not been quoted in some form or fashion. That is known as the love chapter. That is the, that's the kind of the go-to for wedding ceremonies. I have actually never heard this verse used at a wedding. Have you guys? I've never heard anybody say, okay, you know, we see through a glass darkly. However... The next verse, you can buy a sign from Hobby Lobby with it on there. It says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Okay? But the verse before it says in verse 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, right? So Paul is saying, I see partially, but I do not see fully, but one day I will have knowledge and understanding fully. Okay? So my wife and I, my wife Lindsay and I, we've been married. We got married in July of 2016. So about four, about four and a half years coming up, right? I kind of know what I'm doing in marriage, yet I do not know fully. And I do not know that I will ever know fully, okay? I see through a glass darkly. I have a few ideas. I'm a further along than I was four years ago. And hopefully, I will be further along four years from now. Amen, right? <laughs> One verse sells a lot of signs, but the other verse actually describes how marriage is. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we have the will of God on the 50,000-foot level, but we do not see every detail. You see the city. Sometimes you don't know where you are. It's a bit like this. The way I would kind of describe it is like this. I was driving, or I was actually not driving. I was a passenger. I was, uh, we were in the state of Kentucky a couple months ago. And we were, we'd just gone through kind of a little rain cloud. And I was like, oh, my gosh, look at that rainbow. I was like, that is the, the crazy, that's the most brilliant rainbow 
I've ever seen. Well, actually, it was I take that back. It was part of a rainbow. It was like from here down, okay? And I was like, my gosh. So I got my phone out. I FaceTimed Lindsay. And I was like, hey, you got to look at this rainbow, <laughs> you know? Of course, she was like FaceTime. You're like, you know, like some cars moving, all this stuff, right? And she's like, oh, cool. That's a crazy. Look at that. Yeah, I see that rainbow, right? Well, two miles down the call didn't last long because two, two miles down the road, what I saw that rainbow was gone. But over on the other side, there was the rainbow you saw about this much on that side, right? Well, I was like, oh, it's, it's over there. I see it. The other, the other end, the pot of gold, right? And then two more miles down the road, I couldn't see either of them, but up above, I saw the arch of it, okay? There are very few times that I've seen a full, complete, you know, 180 degrees worth of rainbow. It's happened, I think, only like once or twice. I think that's with, that's a bit like our walk with God, that there are things that God will speak to you so heavily and with such assurance, but you do not see the whole picture, okay? This 50,000-foot view is contrasted with the loving detail that God shows for each person. The scripture says that he knows how many hair are on our heads. I've always found that very curious. That's awfully detailed. And it's not just detailed. It, it, to me, it seems like something that doesn't seem important. Okay? We had to go in for a physical uh, this last year. And they, said, they, they take you in the back, and they said, all right, you know, stand here. We're going to measure you. Okay, I'm the same height I was when I was 16 years old. Nothing's changed. They said, all right, step on the scales. Unfortunately, that has gone up every year since I have been 16. That has changed. They, however, did not ask me, hey, how many hairs are on your head? Well, I'm glad. I, I would not have known. I would have just been like, uh, 50,000, <laughs> maybe, you know. They take all, you know, take your blood pressure. They do all this stuff. They take your blood sugar. But God knows all of this stuff, right? It just seems so, yeah, it just seems so strange to me that he knows not just the important things about you, but he knows the things about you that you think are even minuscule or irrelevant. There is nothing about what you're going through that is irrelevant to Jesus. Jesus' first miracle in John 2 is when he changed the water into wine at the wedding in Cana. It was not just a display of his, of his power. I believe it was a display of his caring. That Jesus cared for the situation and the people that he was with. In Luke 15, Jesus says that he left the 99 sheep to go find the one that were astray. I'll tell you the truth. If you guys flashed up, maybe I should do this. If, the, if, if you guys flashed up two pictures, one picture that had 99 sheep and the other picture that I had 100, I don't think I could tell you the difference. Now, if I had a picture of three sheep and like four sheep, I'm pretty sure I, most days I can get that one, right? He knew that there was one missing. Jesus is not just detailed. He cares intimately about the details of our lives, even the things that seem unimportant to us. He is not just the God of the big picture. 
He is also the God of the hair on your head. We must determine, therefore, to know the will of God, not just to be resigned to be in the big picture of I'm just a part of something, I just go wherever, you know, I'm just part of this big thing. And you can't also, on the other end, just be self-centered in a way to where you think you alone control your own destiny. We need a healthy, right view of ourselves in God's kingdom. That includes both of these viewpoints, okay? This, in some ways, it never changes, but in different ways, our next steps are actually contingent upon obedience. Driving down the road, I did not see the other part of this rainbow until I was two miles down the road. Some things that God is speaking to you, you will not have full revelation of until you are two months down the road. Some more things that you may, you may go through, in two more months down the road, you may see more of that. In two more months, you may see the whole thing. It, may, it just may even be a memory, right? You're not going to see this in many cases all at once, but you cannot give up hope that God is with you just because you don't see the whole picture. Amen, right? In some ways, it doesn't change, but the next steps are contingent upon you walking day by day with Jesus. This is why devotional life, this is why fellowship, this is why responsibility for the souls around you, not just turning the lights on at the church or cleaning the bathrooms or something like that, although those are important. The next steps are contingent upon you moving along with Jesus, being a part of what he is doing. In Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, we're taught to pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? We are to seek his will and join with him. In 1 John 2.17, toward the end of his life, the disciple John wrote this. It says, And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. The world is passing away. That is a true statement. One day the lust of the world will pass along with it. But you, but he or she or you who does the will of God will abide forever. G. Campbell Morgan, who's known as the Prince of Expositors, says this. He says that the supreme subject in every life then is that his will should be discovered and obeyed. It is important that you know the will of God for your lives, but also that you are aware of the will of God for the big picture as well. Most of us, we, it's kind of like us driving around in the city. You see people, you see cars, you see stoplight, you see the building, but you don't know what's on the next block. You have no idea whether it's going to be McDonald's or Starbucks or just going to be like a grove of grapefruit trees. You have no idea. That's like many of us right now is that we're walking through things. You have no idea what the next block holds. God wants to guide you. He wants to speak to you things that you have not even thought about. That you've not even dreamed of. That your mind has not even conceived of. He wants to do greater than you can even ask think or imagine is what Ephesians 3.20 says. 
God has a, dreams for your life that you would be used not just in the block that you're in, but beyond it. In our itineration, in a discussion of God's calling upon of us, us to Chile, we field a lot of questions. When you open a Q&A session up, you're always taking a risk that somebody's going to just lob a grenade in the room with you, okay? We were interviewed by the World Missions Board of the Assemblies. We were asked all these things about our background, who we were, things concerning our call, our plans in Chile, some of them about the future. Well, truly, these things will unfold day by day as God directs and leads real time. As believers, we are, we are in this room, we are, we are perpetually stuck between, I don't know how many hairs are on my head. I have no way of knowing either, even if I wanted to know. Or maybe more practically, I had no idea we were going to have a COVID-19 breakout. Nobody told, did anybody tell you? Yeah, nobody told me either, right? We were stuck between the unknown and the scriptural certainty of my, ve- my sheep know my voice and I know theirs. There's some things that we're very concerned about. You know, you get, sometimes you, you guys know kind of what kind of questions you guys feel. I mean, from your, I mean, I feel these as a student. You guys, I'm sure, you know, people are like, okay, what's your major? You're like, oh, you changed your major? Okay, I changed my major four times. It's cool to change your major. You don't want to be stuck doing something you hate, okay? People who, indecisive people, I'm with you, okay? I mean, come on, I was a physics major. I wanted to work for NASA, and it turns out I failed calculus, so, yeah, it's not, oh, either. You can't work for NASA when you can't pass Cal 1. Yeah, it's sad. That's, that was rough. And then the next question is like, oh, you're major. Oh, you're a business major. That's cool. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to open a business? What kind of business are you going to open? I don't know. I'm like, I'm just trying to not fail, you know, marketing or whatever. They had this awful business class where, where we went called, uh, they called it, it was uh, EcoStats. It was like uh, economics and statistics had a really bad, ugly baby. And you had to sit through the class and, and attempt to pass it, right? I took it in the summer. I sat through like 30 minutes of it and walked out and dropped it. I didn't even make it through the first class. I was like, I don't like this guy. Sometimes we have that as Christians, is that there is an expectation that, is, that we feel, but it's not real, that you are to have everything figured out. We realize that you don't even know what major you want to have. Okay? You're not expected to know where you're going to spend the rest of your life. We realize, us still, that we see this much of the rainbow I know that I am not going to be a physics major because I can't pass calculus. Therefore, I must be majoring in something else. I've eliminated one of them, right? That's kind of how college was for me, is I eliminated all the stuff I didn't want to do and that I was really bad at. Uh, I was very bad at English. Don't ask me to, like, diagram a sentence. It will never happen. I bluffed my way through British literature. Like, oh, thank God. I made a B in it. I, that was the, it was a, glory to God, right? 
we realize there's things that you don't know. And there's things that you, maybe you do know some parts, but you're not, you're not going to know what you're doing with it. Maybe today or tonight you're a, a small group leader here, or maybe you're in a small group, and you're not really sure what's going to happen. You're like, well, are you called to ministry? I don't know. Like, I'm trying to pass calculus. <laughs> you don't have to have, I want you guys to rest in this, is that you don't have to have every piece of the puzzle but you can't drop out. You'll never graduate if you drop out. I speak that literally and figuratively. You cannot drop out of the race or you won't make it to the finish line. You can't get out of the car or you won't ever see the next block. The unending purpose of God is to bring man back into harmony with the will of God. The, the very root of evil is wrapped up in this idea that not my will, not your will, but my will be done. That's a terrible thing. I hope, I would hate to impress my will upon the, wor- the, the suffering world. But that's essentially what we do when we choose to live upon our own terms. We cannot live as if God does not exist. We cannot profess him on one day and then live as if he doesn't on our others. The will of God includes that none should perish, but the path of fallen man leads into despair and ultimately into destruction. The prophet Isaiah, going back to that, says, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to, uh, and to our God, he will abundantly pardon That is why we are going to Chile, that the wicked would forsake their ways, that the unrighteous would forsake their thoughts, that they might receive mercy from God when they return to him. The great preacher Leonard Ravenhill said this. He says that Jesus did not come to make bad men do good things. He came to make dead men live. If you're living life on your own terms this evening, the scripture says you're dead in the water and that you must be born again. Jesus did not come just simply advocating a change in behavior. This is not a behavior reformation program. Just as missions is not strictly a change in location. There's nothing about you going to church that makes you right with God. There is nothing about me getting on an airplane that makes me a missionary. We must go that Jesus would receive glory, and for his glory do we preach. We live knowing that God will bring every work into judgment, not just of the things that we did, but who and why we did them. Some of the most famous men in the Bible were not only obedient. They did not have the whole picture. They were not only really obedient, but they willingly gave themselves to him. How do I know that? If you read the first verse in the book of James, it says, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The first verse of Jude says, Jude, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus. Simon Peter and Second Peter, a bondservant of an, and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul and Timothy, 
bondservants of Jesus Christ, it says in Philippians. Paul, a bondservant. What is that? It says that these men were bondservants. A bondservant is a person who voluntarily gave their life to the service of Christ and his people. As Roman citizens who prided themselves on their freedom, they would have never referred to themselves as a bondservant. But Jesus taught that the greatest in God's kingdom would become a servant of all. That's what these men did. We referred to 1 Corinthians 13 earlier as the greatest of these is love. Our motive for obedience, our motive for missions is love. It's simply love for Jesus. It's love for the people around us. It's love for the things that God loves. We go to Chile not simply because his will is being impressed upon us, but out of love. Love of those who Jesus bled and died for, and love for those unless they were told that we'll never hear. We small group plead. We serve our families. We love the unlovable here out of a heart of love. C.S. Lewis says that you have never met a mere mortal. You have never met someone who is not deserving of the love of Jesus. This evening, I feel like the Lord is giving us a call of faith that we have some of the instructions, we have some of the things that the Lord is asking of us, but the rest of it is contingent. It's up to you. It is contingent upon your obedience. Obedience being a step of faith. Faith not just that you'll get the rest of the information that you want, but faith that God is good and that he's not going to give you a bad gift. He's not going to give you a stone for a piece of bread, scripturally, is what it says. We need a glimpse of the other side. Most of us have the hair on our head picture. Some of us do. Others of us have. We've got a glimpse of the big picture, but God feels impersonal to you. This evening, you, maybe you're in a place where you feel like God hasn't spoken to you. He's speaking to everybody else around you. He is the God not just of the person, but he is a God of the big picture. You have not been left out. You have not, left, you have not been forgotten. He sees what's on the other block. You need the big picture. Maybe you're stuck in class, failing calculus. Maybe you're in the valley wanting to get out. But God will meet you and move you if you let him. What it takes on for us is, is to say, Jesus, I'm ready to take the next step with you. The reality is that God's will exists for you, whether you're, you're obedient or not. That God has a plan and has dreams for your life. I want to fulfill every dream that God has for me. I don't want to one day stand before Jesus and say, him say, I had all these things that I wanted for you, but you said no to them. I had all these people I wanted you to reach, but you were comfortable. I had all of these places I wanted you to go and preach and love my people, but you sat at home. I don't want that to be me. You, I don't want Jesus to say you were scared because you couldn't see 
the next block. You didn't trust me. If you're here tonight and there's a heart of jealousy that God is, you're looking around and God is working and using other people. And he's not really using you. You're you're part of it, but he's not really using you. It will destroy your walk with God. You will rot from the inside out. Jealousy for somebody else's walk with God will kill you spiritually. It's unrighteous because it's the same God that wants to use you. It's very, very self-centered. Jealousy of how God is going to use somebody else. The issue is not them, it is you. And you need to get right with God and do it quick. There will always be a case where somebody else's walk with God seems shinier or cooler or more relevant. But you're looking at them, you're not looking at Jesus. You need to put your eyes upon Jesus. They are not the ones that are going to lead you and take you to the next block. It is Jesus who will do that. Daniel, if you want to come, we're going to have a chance to respond. If you're welcome, if you are comfortable coming to the altar, you're welcome to come up here and just seek the Lord.